Hello, friends. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis. Today, we have a very special episode of the podcast where we are talking to two people who are from Australia, who live in Australia, who are really giving us a good idea of what is going on over there uh, firsthand from on the ground so that we understand as we are praying for Australia. Because my friends, let me tell you, this isn't a one and done thing. This isn't a it's in the news for a week and then we can forget about it type of thing. Australia's dry season lasts through March. So this is not a story that's going away. This is a story that we need to keep on the forefront of our minds, of our hearts. We need to keep Australia, its people, its animals, its land in our thoughts and prayers for the next few months as they continue to battle these fires. Tomorrow, Friday, January 17th at 1.11 p.m. Central Time, we are going to be over live on the Facebook Tribe group called the Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe. If you're not part of that group already, you'll want to get signed up because over there, we are a wonderful, supportive community for you talking about all different sorts of things. And that is where I will go live on Friday at 1.11 p.m. Central Time in order to do a prayer with you live for Australia. Before we begin, I just want to let you know that On Monday, we have Karina Virginia. She is an author. She is also a YouTube star who has done several, several videos on all sorts of spiritual topics. She has a kundalini meditation for removing fear. She has different meditations for healings and miracles. Lots of great stuff over there for you to check out on her YouTube video. But she will be here on Monday with a podcast interview that we recorded earlier this fall. The following week, we're going to have another special guest on. This is a kiddo who actually has the very special gift of seeing spirit on the other side. We're talking to him because, my friends, I can't tell you the number of people who write into the show who say that their kids see spirit and listen to the podcast because they want to feel that they are not alone. And my friends, if you know a child like that, please ensure them that they are not alone. And the following Monday's episode would be a great one for them to listen to so that they can hear one child and mother's story of what this looks like in their lives. So this first story about Australia and what's happening comes to you from a woman named Diane. Her and her husband live separately from her daughter who has a family in the same town. And both her, her husband and her daughter and their family were all evacuated from their small town of Koryong in Australia. So I tried to zoom with her and to record the interview, but it did not work. So I am going to read to you my notes from my conversation with her. Now, when I was talking to Diane, she said that there are over 100 fires burning currently. 
She said that 15.6 million acres has been burned down. And if you want to compare that to land you might know of, that is about the size of Arizona, the entire state of Arizona. That is how much land has been burnt down. And what Diane said that the state is doing or the country is doing is they call it making fire breaks. So they said uh, the army brought up to their area a lot of equipment to make these fire breaks. And what these fire breaks are is they're taking bulldozers and going through where they think the fire is going ahead of it so that they're making clean breaks in the land and those clean breaks are to try and stop the fires from going further. However, she said what's happening is that a lot of ambers are popping up from the fires and that those ambers can travel up to six kilometers which for those in the U.S. comes out to about 3.72 miles. So an amber popping up in the air from fire can travel that 3.72 miles, which is sometimes jumping these fire breaks that they are trying to make, which is why it's so hard to try and contain these fires. And I asked specifically for Diane to let us know if there's anything that we can really pray for. And she said, Out of everything that she's heard, one of the biggest things that breaks her heart are the firefighters who are spending just all their time and energy in fighting these fires right now, and a lot of them to come home and find out that their home has been burnt down. So if we can just send a special prayer right now out to all of these firefighters who who have been fighting these fires for months and who are going to continue to be fighting these fires for months, that God keeps special protection over them, over their families, and over their homes, their animals as well. Uh, I asked Diane if just firefighters and people from the army are really stepping in here or if people are volunteering to fight the fires. And she said, you really can't volunteer because you have to be trained. She said, but they are seeing some of the firefighters' children who know how to work the hoses going along with their parents who are fighting those fires to help in that way to work the hoses. Uh, but she also said the army is really stepping in a lot as well. So again, Diane lives in a town called Koryong in Victoria in Australia, and both she and her husband were evacuated, and then uh, a while later, her daughter and her daughter's family was evacuated as well. But just to give you an idea of what it's like to be evacuated, Diane was evacuated with her husband in a convoy. And she said what happens, and and this is the story that she told me for her daughter, that the daughter knew around New Year's that they needed to pay attention to where the fire was because it was approaching their area. And there's an emergency app over there where the app is going to alert you when you need to leave. 
And when you need to leave and this app goes off, you go to an evacuation center. And for her daughter, this was at the high school. So she said it was about 3 a.m. when this app went off and her family, you know, uh, her daughter, her daughter's two sons went to the high school. Her husband did not go with her because he was fighting. He's a volunteer firefighter who was fighting to save a power station Diane said if that power station would have to gone out in the fire, half of Victoria, about the size of England, just mind you, would have lost power. So her husband stayed back, which was a little scary for them and nerve wracking to really fight this to save the power station. But she took her children, went to the high school And when things got worse, uh, Diane says a convoy of just different government vehicles and fire vehicles take people from the high school out. And she said they had about a two-hour drive down through hills. Um, There were some fires going as they went through. But uh, in the end, you know, when, when Diane herself was evacuated by convoy, they were first taken to a motel where they stayed for a week. And then after that, they were taken to army barracks that were open up. And she said, everybody is just treating one another with so much kindness and there is so much love. And she felt that they were treated with so much respect. Uh, but for those two weeks while they were evacuated because all the roads were shut down and nobody was allowed back into her town, they didn't have any knowledge, no one did, of whether or not their house was still standing or would be standing when they got home. Diane considers her and her family to be so incredibly blessed because when they did return, they found that not only was Diane and her husband's home safe, uh, also her daughter and their family's home was safe as well. So they feel so blessed and so fortunate because uh, she said... Julie, I just can't tell you the number of people who have lost their homes. And she just felt she was so blessed to be able to have all of her memories, have all of her keepsakes still with her. So our prayers go out to all of those who have lost their homes. Diane wanted us to say a special prayer too for all of the volunteers who have been coming out from different areas to build fences. They're building these fences uh, ahead of where the fires are so that they are trying to get animals to stay away from the fire sites. She said this has just been a miraculous angelic effort in and of itself to come in so quickly and to be able to build these fences for the animals' safety. There have also been semi-truck trailers that have been bringing hay from across the country for cattle. But she says it looks, when you're going into some of these towns, that were beautiful towns and filled with life 
it looks in some of these areas like a bomb has just hit. And as you'll hear in the next interview, Australia knows that they're going to rebuild. Australia knows that there is going to be a rebirth, but there is a feeling of energy of just being tired that they have been fighting for so long that there is so much devastation and they still have, again, my friends, they still have until March where they are in this dry season. This next interview that you're going to hear is with a woman named Tony who is from Sydney, Australia, and she has more to tell us about what they're seeing on the ground and how we can pray more for Australia, how we can keep them in our hearts, thoughts, and minds. Hello, everyone. I am here with Tony. She is a podcast listener. She's part of our tribe. She is a part of this podcast community, and she lives over in Sydney, Australia. It is night over there, about 10 p.m. her time, and it's about 5 a.m. our time over here in Chicago. And I'm I'm just having Tony on because it is really one thing to read about things in the newspaper going on with these fires, um, but it is a completely another thing to be there firsthand and to see what is going on. So, Tony, I'd like for you to kind of talk to us about this. Thank you so much. Um, it's, it's a real privilege to be able to be a, be a part of this. It's incredibly scary what is happening in our country at the moment. Um, these, these fires, some of them have been burning since September and we've, our country is, you know, we're well-versed with fire. We have a fire season every summer, but we've never seen anything like this. Um, they, you know, just for example, where I live, I'm about an hour and a half southwest of Sydney um, and 10 kilometres, which is, well, is about eight miles, I think, it, to the north is a fire that's burning that's over 280,000 hectares and less than 30 miles south is another fire that's over 300,000 hectares. So they are absolutely, the size of them is just unfathomable. I have a friend that lives three and a half hours drive from me and we're under the threat of the same fire. That's how big they are and they you know, they do say that they probably will merge because the the weather that we're having yesterday was, you know, um, I had a little look at the conversions. Um, yesterday was 55 mile an hour winds and over 110 Fahrenheit. And then, but then today was, it was a reprieve and the firefighters were able to get um, a bit, a little bit more containment. Um, so, it's it's very scary. There's a lot of video footage. Someone put a GoPro on their veranda when the fire came through, and that people say that you could hear it coming, like ten twenty minutes before it actually hit. It just roars like a freight train and moves incredibly fast. It's just like something Steven Spielberg could create on on a screen, but like nothing you could even imagine, and and it just wipes everything out in its path. Um, so yeah, it's been very, very devastating for many many communities. So many people have lost their homes. Um, we've had over twenty deaths now. 
Um, some of them have been volunteer firefighters and we've lost half a billion animals and wildlife. So it's, it's utterly devastating. I, um, I report, um, some reports were saying that it was up to, they believe, 30% of koalas. 30%? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, uh, you know, they were already under threat anyway that, um, with different illnesses and loss of their natural habitat. So for, for the koala population, it truly has been spectacularly devastating. Um, the, all the vets and the wildlife people, are, you know, they're pushed for resources. Everybody's working overtime to try and um, save, save these animals and, and they've had to euthanise a lot of animals, um, cattle as, as well and horses and, uh, yeah, a lot, and all our beautiful little wildlife friends. Yeah. So, so um, I, I want to go back to a couple of things. Um, uh, you said that this is going on since like since September and um, it's not like just one or two rainfalls is going to put this out right I mean this is, I think some of us reading the news around the world are thinking well you know let's pray for rain and let's pray for just a little bit of rain and this is going to um, put those fires out but that's not what's happening um what is going what is it going to physically take are they saying over there to change this and have has it we've never seen it at this magnitude correct i mean we've had fires in australia before but never like this yeah it's this is this is unprecedented uh here or, or anywhere in the world i believe um, it's a really good question, and, and I wish we knew the answer to that. But what isn't, you know, what is going to help is what we need is continual rain, lots of it. But there, there's none forecast until no reasonable rain until March. We have been in drought for many years, um, so I th what what is helping this country at the moment is more resources, um, money, getting our government together to, uh, to, act, to, to be more, you know, proactive in the right ways. Like we, we're leasing firefighting planes um, from different countries um, at, at right down to the grassroots. Like our, our firefighters need more resources. Most of them are volunteers um, and they're exhausted. So other countries have been sending, um, the US and Canada have sent firefighters. New Zealand has sent several um, batches of firefighters over. So... It's just that support uh, and, yes, months of rain. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I want to put on here, too, I'm just looking it up real quick. I, I used to work for nonprofit organizations, um, and I'm very cautious about who I refer people to donate to because I want them to be the best organizations. Um, and I think that you can know that, um, you know, Prince Harry and um, his wife, Megan, are really researching who the right people are. And they posted on Instagram uh, three different places that people can donate to in Australia. Red Cross Australia, RFS, is that the government in Australia? 
that's the state government, so that's the rural fire service, and the, oh. yeah, they all, yeah, so the RFS is is a very good one to donate to, and the CFA um, as well. Yeah, Country Fire Association. Yeah. Okay. The other yeah. one I would put is Wires. Um, I'm not sure if that's on the list, but that's the wildlife uh, rescue people. So they need a lot of um, funding as well. Yeah. But they're all very, very good and legitimate charities. Um, oh, perfect. Really appreciate any donation. Let's do that. Let's put those links up in the show notes so that people can find those. And uh, if you could send that one to me so that that people have that place to donate to wildlife, I think that that would be absolutely wonderful. I want to keep the podcast positive always. And we're talking about this so that we can come back to um, the prayer that we're going to do for Australia. But what I want to know too is, where are people's minds at in Australia and what fear is there about if you have to go from now until March so that while we're praying, we really understand what the true feeling is over there and we can help transmute that vibe into hope. I think um, because we have lived with bushfire as part of, part of our lives here but just never to this magnitude most Australians do know that fire means regeneration and, and hope um, the, but it is hard to hold that in your mind while this is all going on and when there is so so much loss so the I think really Australians you know held in their hearts that that it's not going to be the end of the world. <laughs> it's not going to be an apocalyptic, you know, disaster, but it does feel a bit like that. Um, so I, I think there is hope. The general feeling, this is, you know, the, the, these are the circles that I move in. I think if you spoke to the farmers out west that haven't seen rain for so long, it, they would have a different answer. Um, I, um, that's, I'm, I'm not really entirely sure how to answer the question any more than that. That's okay. Um, I'm wondering too if you've talked to people because I've got other friends too that live in Australia and um, I haven't gotten to talk to them via phone yet, but just seeing their posts on Facebook that the fires are moving so quickly, like you said before, that there are some people who think that they're in safe areas and then just in a moment they have to pick up and leave. I mean, what is happening with that and what are you seeing? Are there any stories that you're seeing? I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about the angels of this who are really those firefighters that you're, um, yeah. and, and people who are out there rescuing wildlife and working with the wildlife and their families because yeah. their families, we don't, there's so many things in the world that we don't like to look at. Uh, we don't like to look at death. We don't like to talk about sometimes um, military families, firefighter families, who who's really making huge sacrifices in this mm -hmm. lifetime um, with their family members, putting their lives in danger to yeah. be on the front lines. Yeah, I think it's very, very scary for... For the, 
for all of them, for the firefighters themselves that, you know, they, we have lost three firefighters um, and some of the footage that's coming out of, you know, the insides of their trucks, the, the, you know, the, these fires are just exploding. Um, they're blowing the trucks over. Um, the, you know, it's, so for their families, there have been quite a few interviews. They are really quite terrified because they just don't know if their, their partner is going to walk back in the door. Um, they come, they're coming home utterly exhausted and, you know, putting down a little bit of food and getting a little bit of sleep and going out again. And they've been doing it day after day after day, week after week and month after month. And uh, so, um, and that, you know, they are, they have the recognition from the community. Um, but I guess it's, it's, it's a little bit like Russian roulette. They just don't know what they're going to face. Um, I do have a, I had a friend staying with me and her father was, um, he was a contractor on big machinery, so he he was out there moving the land around while they're trying to make a, a barrier to stop the fire that was coming. And the wind suddenly changed, and it came towards them. And he had the foresight to dig, to think really quickly, and dug a hole that he and five firefighters sheltered in. And the fire raged over them for four hours, and they, you know, they. These men were crying. It was, it was the end of their lives for them and, and somehow they made it through and it was only through that quick thinking that they, they survived, you know. So there's incredible stories like this that are, are coming out and, uh, you know, in terms of people, um, not, my own daughter was, was, was at her place and she took some video footage of, the you know, the... That they're in a paddock and there's about two acres and then there's 50,000 hectares of bushland and the flames are leaping up 60-odd 60, 60 feet in the air um, and, and that's not even close, you know. And, and you know, so, so much of Australia has one road out on these properties and it's like, you know, I'm on the end of the phone going, get out! <laughs> and and um, you just sometimes, some people just don't have time. They think they're okay but it's, just moving quicker than not like nothing before. So I saw one report of, of a family that was celebrating on New Year's Eve and was close to a booth and the fire came in so quickly that they just had to run out to the water um, yeah. because that was the only direction that they could go. Yeah, yeah. There's some amazing um, footage of just, particularly the South Coast, because that, that was New Year's Eve that it just took everyone by surprise. Uh, and, yeah, there was, there was hundreds of cars and caravans and tents and kids and dogs and, and a couple of horses all on the beach as, you know, the whole sky was, was just deep red and alive with it. Wow. It's crazy scenes, yeah. So um, their reports, too, are different uh, based on the number of houses that this is mm. in some report over a thousand. Um, yeah. Are people, where do you go? Are people going to stay with relatives, with friends? Are people taking one another in? What is happening like that? Yeah, yeah. Most, most people are going to relatives. Um, most people, a lot of people are evacuating beforehand. 
Um, so we're advised, you know, you make a choice early on, you have a plan. Your plan is either um, evacuate or stay and defend. Uh, the reports that come out of people who have stayed and defend have, have regretted it, the one, you know, um, that it's pure, absolutely terrifying. But the majority of people are either with relatives, with friends, or with evacuation centres, which are um, like public halls, schools, um, RSL clubs. I don't know if you have them in America, but, but you know, big clubs basically, and, you know, that you can bring animals and a lot of um, livestock are evacuated to showgrounds and big parks and that kind of thing. So, yeah, there, there are um, communities that have basically up and, and moved and, and are very and displaced at the moment. And I've been in Sydney for quite a few days. I've evacuated uh, twice so far um, and it's going to be bad again next weekend, so probably get out then as well. What happens to life when you're evacuated? You can't go uh, to work, you know, and uh, how, how are, how is the society managing? Um, well, it's funny, you know, being in Sydney, the feeling is quite different. It, it does feel like it's a bit unreal. It's not really happening in comparison to, to where I, to where I live. It's very real and I think a lot of a lot of people are in a holding pattern. It's like life is on pause while um, it while this is going on. It's it's um, you know it, people have just can't go to work, and a lot of the firefighters, you know, they're volunteers. They haven't been to work uh, since this has been happening, so it's it's been a, a choice. Um, so then, what yeah. happens with companies? Like, if you're not going to work, how do you get your paycheck? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Is it just yeah. disrupting life in that way? Most definitely, yeah, and it will for some time to come, um, particularly with these, you know, like entire towns were lost in, in on the south coast, so that's all the businesses um, and the roads, you know, there's been so many roads closed, so we, we've got problems with transport. Trains have had to stop because fire's been over the line. So, you know, in terms of getting supplies, getting um, our whole country relies on trucks. And um, so when freeways are closed, things come to a grinding halt. So I think, I think it's still... Supplies in different places? I beg your pardon? Is it uh, because the roads aren't open, um, is it hard to get supplies in different places? When I hear where the fires were on the south coast, like their entire huge supermarket was, there was nothing left on the shelves. People just, you know, sort of went into panic mode and bought supplies, bought what they could. Um, the the fuel stations ran out of fuel. Um, there were people were queuing for, you know, hours and hours just to try and get some petrol uh, or some gas. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, and and the they're stopping people coming into the area or going towards that area. So the freeways have been blocked for um, you know quite a few hours beforehand, or, or hundreds of kilometers beforehand. Wow. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's you know the nation is is still carrying on and, and business is is happening, but it but in certain areas it, it's completely stopped altogether. 
Yeah. Well, we are praying for you today and we are so sorry for everything that is going on. Tony, do they say one more question, um, that any of this is due to global warming or uh, like, is there any bigger cause that they're, that they're talking yeah. about? Yeah, so there, there are a lot of people um, talking about climate change, absolutely, without a doubt, because our weather is very erratic. Um, we don't tend to have seasons anymore. It's all over the place. Although we, our summer's getting longer, the whole country is getting hotter. Um, there are, in our history, you know, Indigenous people would periodically burn. Um, they, they would have their own form of of burning the land um, and and it would regenerate and the you know it would be a slow burn and and the animals could could escape and and it was controlled and and, and so there hasn't been that there's been um, there's been our way of doing it or you know there's been the government's way of doing it for some time but it, it's not working there there is um, uh, the firefighting budget was cut. You know, the, the, our government was warned that this could happen some months ago and they didn't listen. <laughs> so so that a lot of people are angry about that. There's, a, you know, I, people are saying that mining has contributed um, to, to climate change. So how we've been treating the earth, the earth and our country in particular. So, yes, there are a lot of... Um, a lot of theories but definitely people um climate change i think is a big one yeah yeah one really lovely thing that's that is coming out of it is that so many people are coming together and really helping each other and opening their hearts and their homes and and their wallets and and just doing everything they can uh, to to help each other and there are some really there are some really lovely um prayers and meditations going on like people are coming together on that level people that say look oh no i don't call pray but i was praying to god to god and uh so that's it is shifting us our, our awareness into a higher level into that this more spiritual mindset um i know a couple of different organizations like the brahma kumaras are having a beautiful global meditation um, on the 11th of January, I know different. You drive past different churches, and they have their signs up that well, they're praying for the firefighters, they're praying for the animals. And, you know, every everyone is so. So that has been a, a lovely shift so far. Yeah, and I'm sure that you're seeing a lot of angel stories coming out as well because the presence there is just so magnificent of the amount of just divine energy they're trying to help with this effort as well um so we will continue praying and um i will encourage um, everybody listening to this podcast to continue to use this meditation and this prayer for australia not just now but over the next couple of months um and we are really praying for an immense amount of rain to come in march to to aid with that regrowth and that regeneration that we know Australia will have. Um, we just want to be part of that effort as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That's, <laughs> it means a lot. It's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's beautiful that the world has brought their focus to us in, in this way. 
Well, our love and our support is with you, Tony. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I love the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah. My friends, before we leave today, just know that tomorrow, if you have time at 1.11 p.m. Central Time, we are going to be doing a prayer for Australia live on our Facebook group called The Angels and Awakening podcast tribe. If you are not a member of that group yet, please go over to Facebook, join that private group and join a community of people who are just like you, who share openly about the signs that they're seeing, how they're coming into their intuition. And together tomorrow, we will collectively pray for Australia. That will be recorded over there. So if you're not able to join live, you of course can go back and listen and join in anytime you'd like. We all know that Australia can use as much love, positive energy, and prayers as it can get because, my friends, those prayers really do shift the vibration. They really do help. So all of us doing this as a collective will really send that good positive energy. In the show notes, I'm also listing a couple of resources that have been out there about if you want to donate to funds in Australia to help with this effort, you know who the top places to donate are. Again, that is in the show notes. My friends, thank you so much for being with us today. Remember to keep Australia in your hearts, thoughts, and prayers. Join us tomorrow over on the Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe Facebook group. And remember, over the weekend, open up your heart to all of the unexpected blessings that your angels, your guides, your loved ones are trying to bring into your life right now.